0: Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey there, it's Jodi Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thanks for joining us today. This interview is with Janelle Hickman. She's an editor at BET Digital. Um, She has a lot of interesting things to say, but most interesting at this moment to me as I look at my email inbox is how she keeps a zero inbox, which I've never done. So listen for that. If you've missed it, last week's episode was with Elizabeth Shirley. She's a co-founder of Influencer, And if you're curious about me, um, this podcast is my side hustle. I am the president and creative director of base beauty creative agency based in new york we are the omni channel branding agency for the wellness and beauty industries Um, hope you enjoy the show Hey, everybody. I am joined today by Janelle Hickman. She is the beauty editor at BET Digital. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I'm so excited that you're here. You're a fan of our podcast and of podcasting, so it's cool to have someone in the chair who listens. Um, I'd like to tell everybody how we met.
1: How did Well, we met because I got a pitch that you had the girls on Fat Mascara on, and I love their podcast, and then I started researching you, and I was like, oh, well, I think originally I thought it was a pitch. They were pitching you to me, but I thought they were pitching me to you. So I was oh, like, that's "Oh." Awesome. You know, like I'm like, "Oh, I totally love to be in the podcast." And they're like, "I guess you could be on the podcast." I'm like that's
0: nice. So that's Kate our publicist who's amazing and um she's been so, so integral in making this podcast this year mm-hmm. m- mean more than what we thought it would be. Um so I want I want to tell people that we met that way because I think it's important to demystify like how people move through our industry right it's really just like one human to another human mm-hmm. right um, it's I used to have this sort of like self-doubt position on making it in this industry and I really in my head it sounds so silly to say now but I really thought like if I didn't go to college with Jane Lauder and I wasn't friends with so and so I'm never gonna be what I want to be yeah um, but it's just not true
1: not at all I always tell young girls they'll be like, hey like how did you get a placement at this place or how did you get this job and I'm like literally I I was a former publicist when I started, but I think it was always thinking about how do you contact someone? And the great thing about the internet was that you could find anyone's contact information. Actually, Bevy Smith said that on like an interview at once. She's like, you can literally find anyone's contact information you want. If you search hard enough, you can find it. So once I kind of learned that, I was just like, oh, I'm just going to start reaching out to people. And you realize even though the industry kind of has like a nasty connotation to the outside world, people are really nice and people are really receiving. And let's say I email like 100 people, I'd probably say like 60 people get back to me. And it's like if you're doing something, that's enough people to get back to you to continue the momentum of whatever project you're trying to figure out or whatever job you're trying to apply to.
0: Right. So it's... um I think part of my goal with the podcast series is to humanize and to make people realize that um, you just have to put yourself out there mm-hmm. and that there will be people who are helpful yeah, or respond or give you good feedback.
1: And then there'll be people who don't take the time. yeah, um, And that's fine. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is
0: someone just doesn't respond. That's right. That's right. But, you know, in in my self-doubt position, which was, is always my go-to, it's like my default, unfortunately, I'm working through it, um, it always feels personal. Mm-hmm. Well, it used to. Now Now I'm getting over it. But, um, and I hear that a lot from young people that I mentor, like college-age young women who are looking to enter our, our industry. Um, they just... Will take it personally. Oh, someone didn't get back to me. It's it's so not about you. It just means like they're too busy. You were the the twentieth college student emailing them this exactly. month. Exactly. It's um, not about you. You just have to try again, and you have to try again, and you take a little break and you try again, and mm-hmm. you send a handwritten note, and then you try again. <laughs> um, and it's and it's not a reflection
1: on you or your email or anything. Um, but it's hard to remember that. Yeah, it is. I think also as you progress in your career, you realize how busy you become so I can remember like when I was an intern if I reached out to an editor and they didn't respond I was like oh she doesn't like me like what's going on but now that I'm in the position you're looking at your inbox horrified and you definitely have the intent to respond to someone um, but sometimes you don't get around to it the first try so I always tell people like at least email someone twice because the first time they might miss it the second time, hopefully they see it and they'll respond and then the third time, don't give up but at least just acknowledge that it's like, okay, this may not be the time for us to connect.
0: Right. So, um, what is your management system for your inbox? Like, what, you, what kind of approach do you take during the day?
1: I'm a psychopath and I love the, <laughs> On the hero that down. Inbox. <laughs> Like, That's always my goal to have unread messages. I think because of my former bosses, I'm one of those people who always scans emails, so I rarely delete an email. Like I always at least kind of look at the subject line, kind of look at the first two sentences, and if it's something that I need to look at, I'll mark as unread. So I treat my inbox almost like a to-do list. So if something's unread, it means I need to get back to it later. So the fact if I have like unread emails that are just like unread for the sake of being unread, I get crazy. So I think even in my personal email, like, maybe I have, like, 20 unread emails. In my work email, I want to say maybe I have, like, 14. Like, on my business account, it's maybe, like, two. Like, I'm very specific because you miss things. Um, so, yeah, I like a zero inbox. It's Sometimes it's daunting and it's not always possible. And if it's junk, I'll search something. So it's, like, let's say, I don't know, it's a store I like, and I'm not really reading their emails. I'll just, like, gather those and, like, move them or just like mark those as red and then the one that I need to read later I'll mark as unread so I can look at it later
0: okay so I think I have a similar philosophy I don't have an obsession with a zero <laughs> inbox I actually like there's some things that are uh, you know just a note from someone that I want to remember mm-hmm. that for some reason I don't have a better filing system so it just stays in the inbox and it could be there for quite some time but I definitely do the uh, mark as unread so I go back to it later otherwise mm-hmm. I'll never I'll never think about it again never um, I don't. I don't think I've seen a zero inbox ever. Like, really? Yeah. It's oh. There's always something in there because I kept it there. Yeah. Um, but kept it there for a reason. Intentional. Yeah. Not accidental. No. But I, I don't even know what that would feel like for zero. <laughs> Maybe on like my per, like my old one of my old personal accounts. Yeah. But I'm just I'm not a um, I'm not a
1: deleter. Yeah, I don't like to delete emails. It's a weird feeling.
0: I think that there's so much stuff that, I mean, I don't know why I don't delete, like, anthropology's emails. Like, they don't need to be there, right? I could delete them. (laughs) I really (laughs) just, like, don't. I don't know. I
1: think as a writer, you also realize, like, someone worked on this. And I think my (laughs) background of being at Guilt for four years and, like, them telling us the click rate and just being so devastated, like, no one opened my email. Like, this is horrifying, but you just realize that everything's not so automated. Like, all the things you think are automated, even down to, like, the fine print on, like, your packaging slips, someone wrote that. Like, someone took time to write that. So deleting it almost seems mean. It's very sweet of you to think that <laughs> way. Um,
0: I can say that the uh, the lack of clicking inspires the way, like, when I reach out to my database, it's not, like, a constant contact or, mm-hmm. like, MailChimp email. It's not, like, I write them... Um, in a very personal way, and I have communities in my like database. You know, like this group of people versus this group of people based on their needs and like the information I want to share with them. But it's written to that person, right? Um, because I can't stand the kind of like just spammy emails. Um, and I've written them in my career too I've written like banner ads in the you know 1999 um, 2000 that said like click here now like I've done everything (laughs) in my my work as a copywriter I'm so proud of those banners for those defunct companies Mm -hmm. um So um, let's talk about what you're going to do with your day today. Tell us what it's going to be like.
1: So today I woke up around like 7.30. My boyfriend made me breakfast, which was really nice. Um, Since BT Style has a lot of news, we aggregate a lot of content from Instagram and then also other websites. So the first thing I kind of do is scan what happened on social media for the girls that are reader looks to or, like, is interested in. So I don't know why it took me so long to do this, but because I love following people on Instagram. So people think I'm crazy that I have, like, 3,000 people that I follow, but I just think it's, like, interesting to see a feed that's inspiring. So what I had to do for work is I created a secret Instagram account with, like, only the celebrities that I need to know what's going on, Mm -hmm. so then it's not... I don't get distracted by, like, someone's really nice vacation, and then my morning has been wasted. So are you doing the scanning of social, like, when you're still at home, or is that at the office? When I'm still at home. So, like, right when I get up in the morning, which is bad, because I feel like I should get out of bed and then do something else. But I kind of, like, say good morning to my boyfriend and then, like, start scrolling through my phone. Um, And then I'll kind of bookmark things that I think are interesting, then I'll check a few sites um, just to see like what else, either competitors or just sites that I love, to see if they had a really specific spin on something. Um, and then our team uses Slack, so I'll just kind of like run down like maybe five to nine ideas that I think could be strong for the day then my editor will kind of reply and be like oh like you know this is great skip this let's try this and then I start do you this. think she's doing that from her bed she might be doing it from her bed but she's also an early morning person so I guarantee she's probably like already had a workout in uh-huh. and was like drinking her matcha like she's on top of it I'm like tr- scrambling to like get my life started um, so then we'll assign to the writers. The writers will kind of chime in and be like, oh, I like that story. I'll take it. Wait, you're still in bed when you're assigning the writers? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm still in bed. Um, or maybe I'm at my – at that point, I'm at my laptop. Oh, okay. Wait, like, still at home? Still at home. Okay. I'm at my laptop, probably in my living room. Um, and we'll sign stories, and then it's kind of like off to the races. So it's very like then you – Build your shell, so it's like you build like what your story will look like. Then you submit a photo request, so then it's like you're talking to the photo team. And then once the story is edited, the writers will... Or once it's written, they'll send it back to me. I'll edit it. Um, my editor will kind of look at the headline to make sure it's like clickable and like interesting. And then it gets sent to copy. Copy activates the story. It's live on the site. We send it to social media, and then we do it all over again. So um, the process of you starting the scrolling in your bed to an article going live in the site, could that be like two hours? Maybe, maybe even shorter. It depends because we have an Instagram group chat. So if we see stuff, we'll just like drop it in the chat. So it's right. almost like we're just DMing each mm-hmm. other. Like, hey, did you see this? Like this person has a birthday cake. Like this person shaved off their eyebrows. Um, So I'll look on that group. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Right, of course. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll look at that group chat first because typically those are the stories that are like most relevant. But then it's like there might be something that we missed that went viral. Or, you know, I'll never remember, I'll never forget this. I was scrolling at like 1 a.m. in the morning. Like I couldn't sleep. So I'm like, let me see what like people are doing in LA. And Portia Williams posted a selfie of herself from like Real Houses of Atlanta that she shaved off her hair. And I was like, this is not real. I was like, this isn't real. I was like, I don't believe this. So of course I do some insta-stalking. I find her hairstylist, Kalon Derek, who's like a really amazing hairstylist. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to reach out to him because this is a story for tomorrow and I, like, need, like, I'm like, I cannot rest until I know if she actually did this. So I email him. He emails me back. Like, so first thing in the morning, I have, like, an interview with him. So I'm like, hey, just, like, a few questions. Can you answer them? She didn't shave off her head. It was a wig cap. And all these other sites reported that she just, like, shaved off her hair. And I was like, that's incorrect. I was like, she still has hair. And I was like, I just don't believe this. Um... But the great thing about it is, like, you can do things so fast. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, by the time I woke up, it's, like, I already had my interview done. I already sent my photo request out. So then it's, like, I just, like, launched the story, and that was one of the best performing stories of the day. Oh, that's so awesome. Mm -hmm. So, um, and
0: that's all because you just couldn't sleep. Because I couldn't sleep. Right. Last night I I woke up at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, or this morning. I woke up before, and I do that, like, probably once a week or once every other week. Just, like, I wake up and I'm done, you know, Mm -hmm. sleep's over, even though I would really like to sleep. Um, and most of the time I end up doing work because I'm like I'm productive right now. Yeah. No there's nobody calling my name, nobody's why not? looking for me. Um, and I get a jump on the day and then I get sleepy and I go back into bed. Um so I get it. You know, why not make the, the most of that moment? Right. Um okay, so let's talk a little bit about what's happening in your industry right now, which is like, you know, as an outsider, like I'm not an editor, yeah. you know, I'm not in publishing. Um it just feels like it won't stop, right? The consolidations, the layoffs. Um, what's your
1: mindset right now? I mean, the weird thing is I feel like I've been through this already. So when well, I started, have. Yeah. <laughs> when I started in 2008, it was kind of a similar situation, but mostly it's magazines. So it's interesting because it's like digital wasn't taking over yet, but I think it was like magazines are trying to find their voice. So it just... I don't... Some people claim like, oh, there are too many magazines so they had to go. And I was like, I don't think so. I'm like, there's just different perspectives. I feel like there's more indie brands. Um, So when I came to New York, I had like a very specific vision of I'm going to be a fashion editor. I'm going to work in the industry and work for a magazine. And I had mentors and they're like, magazines are closing. And they're like, you can get a job but it's going to take you a little longer than you anticipated. So that's why I went into public relations. But now it's scary because we knew that things were shifting to digital but now things are shifting further than digital because it's like social media and Instagram is faster than like there are pure content sites that are based on Instagram. So a good one is like the Shade Room. So fascinated by them. So it's basically kind of like an urban gossip blog. But the way that they produce content and the speed at which they do it is Baffling. Like, I'm like, do you guys have, like, 200 people on staff that are just, like, scrolling through social media? Because it's, like, they'll find comments. So let's say, like, someone says, like, a funny comment on your Instagram page and, like, you, like, clap back. They'll find that, screenshot it, and, like, write a little blurb about, like, Jody claps back a fan. <laughs> and you're just like, how did you even find this out of, like, thousands of right. comments? Um, so even as an editor, it's like we're almost utilizing those as sources, And so we're just using Instagram as such a big source because it's, like, now celebrities don't have to wait to release, like, a press release. So they don't have to, like, hit the red carpet. It's, like, if they want to show you, like, their new look or if they want to debut something, they can just do that all on their own. Sans publicist, Mm -hmm. no marketing, no wait. Like, so you're almost always working and I think as a magazine it's tough because it's like you can never produce at that rate it's like digital platforms can barely produce at that rate
0: right have you talked to anybody at the shade room
1: no I'd love to like to see like what their what their deal is
0: yeah um you know the as you're talking like this the pace it gives me like total anxiety and to be honest with you like I um I'm definitely a less is more girl. Mm-hmm. And when I see the momentum that it requires for pubs to stay relevant and have the clicks that the advertisers want and all this stuff, like it makes me feel like a, like a little vomitous, Yeah. Um, and um, like when's it when's it going to stop?
1: I don't know. And that I actually had a conversation with a friend I ran into on the train yesterday about like net neutrality, which I don't know enough about and I really need to do a deep dive. But I was just like, okay, so if certain websites are banned, or not banned, but it's like you have to pay for them, mm-hmm. who pays for that? So it's like, for me at work, it's like, does my company pay for that? Or it's like, now for consumers, is that built into your, like, subscription? So it's like, now do I have to pay Cablevision, like, $400 a month to like, make sure that I have my internet access? I just, like, don't really get how it works, but I think it almost puts in hindrance And I wonder if, like, quote-unquote dying industries will start to rise again. So it's, like, if I want entertainment news versus, like, having to pay for all these things, should I just watch Entertainment Weekly? Right. Or not Entertainment Weekly. What's the show? Like, Access Hollywood? Like, something like that. It's, like, because it's, like, if I'm paying for that... Right like um it almost the way you're describing it
0: and I don't know anything about this topic either it's um like cable like do you get the package that has HBO and Showtime mm-hmm. and Stars or just the HBO right like it's like will you have to make those decisions and will it give an opportunity to other other ways to consume content um yeah i get like i get very um, this it's an anxious like kind of fast racing heart feeling when i talk up talk about this topic because um I think there's a lot out there, and it happens very fast, and it's relevant for a minute, and then mm-hmm. we move on, and I think, I really feel for the people have to create this content, you know, you and your team, and teams like you, that, um, you know, the senior management is pushing this forward because it's all they know, and mm-hmm. it's all they're clinging to, and um, I'm not poo-pooing it, you know, because, like, a lot of fun, great stuff
1: happens, but it's, like, not a not a piece that's like, sustainable. It's definitely a grind. And I think you have to take a step back, because to your point, it is a little disheartening to know that it's like, okay, yes, we're writing articles maybe in, like, 35 to, like, an hour. You know, and maybe if it's a deeper dive, you're spending two hours. But then you look at the numbers, and you just realize, like, how, like, People don't even spend time on things, and it's really about a headline. It's really about a deck, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because it's kind of the same thing as e-commerce. It's like what can, like, what's the tagline? What's the branding concept? Um, and then the likelihood of someone rereading something is so low. You know, like it's not like you're like, oh my gosh, I read this really good article about like the top ten hairstyles of 2017. You're only going to read that once. Like you're, you, you <laughs> might read it again if someone cites it in another article. But the likelihood of anyone ever looking to see all the design work you did, and like all the back and forth you had with photo, and like all the stylists you interviewed, it almost feels like it doesn't matter because they're so on to the next thing.
0: Right. So, what what do you think the people in leadership positions in these um, media companies? Um, what do you think the future looks like for them? You know, in terms of inspiring their team and guiding their team.
1: I think it has to kind of shift away from a numbers game. So I think it does have to go back to quality over quantity. So you have to think about like, what's our point of view? What are we willing to invest in? And just realizing that it may not always be about the numbers. And even advertisers need to realize that like, yes, it's very sexy when someone's like, we have 14 million uniques. But at the same token, they're spending maybe 15 seconds per article. So it's like, even if you had a banner, even if you sponsored the content, They've just, like, scrolled past that. But it's, like, if you get something that's, like, really engaging and, like, really strong, they'll read it. And then it's, like, even if there's, like, a small placement in your brand, it's, like, they might remember it a little bit more. But I think, I don't know, it's just, like, like, producing 12 articles a day... I can't even remember all the articles we wrote, much less like a consumer. If you're like on Facebook and scrolling, it's like you, you're you bombarded with information all the time.
0: Uh, what you just said reminds me of something from um, one of our other podcast guests. Um, it's Jessica Hansen, you, who you just met in the mm-hmm. hallway. She said that her motto and her philosophy is something can be good, it can be fast, it can be cheap, it can't be all three, it can only be two of those things. Yeah. So you could have good and fast, or you can have fast and cheap, or you can have good and cheap but it can't be fast right like and it's it's sort of the same thing that you're talking about yeah. like maybe just we don't need to be as fast or if we're going to be fast it's just not going to be that good um, and this is like kind of realignment of expectations mm-hmm. so you know you spoke about like waking up in the morning scrolling through so is that basically your day it's like um, repeated it again repeated again all day long
1: yes and no so I'll also try to for my own sanity just try to like read things and see how other people are shaping and shifting and crafting things because I do think the nice thing about so many websites is everyone definitely has a different point of view so I I love writing for BT because it's like we're a little bit funny we're never quite snarky but it's like we're kind of like your like your fun friend you know I know a lot of people say that but it's just we'll talk we'll write how we talk but properly Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like you'll see like a hey girl or like new look who this so like that's fun so that kind of like breaks up all the reporting that you have to do um but then it's a lot of editing because it's like we are producing a good amount of content so I feel like most of my stories come in the morning and then maybe I'll kind of like look around like two three-ish again and then it's like we're kind of wrapping because it's like most people if you think when you're at work like zoning out and you're just like oh let me read this article quickly people are starting to go home at like five and six so it's like unless it's true breaking news i might as well save it for the next day or maybe send it to the evening team so they can post something a little bit later
0: Mm -hmm. so um you know you've told us you've been a publicist Mm -hmm. you've been an editor a content creator yep um and now an editor again. Um, when we first spoke, you told me that you were looking for a job where you would see yourself represented mm-hmm. in the work that you're producing.
1: Um, tell us about that goal and how you yeah. see it coming to life. I mean, for such a long time, it was so limited to be like a woman of color and see things that spoke to you. So even, I don't know, now it's like the wig culture. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely like more accepted. And I think it was always something that like my aunts wore wigs and like my friends wore wigs. But it was something that no one was really talking about. So it's nice that, you know, we have a series called Laced where we talk mm-hmm. to, like, different wig makers and it's oh, cool. kind of, like, hearing the different techniques they have or just, like, how popular they are, or how expensive it is or what their inspiration. So it's kind of nice to have those, like, unsung or unspoken about things a little bit pushed to the forefront. And then even when you think about, like, celebrities of color, unless you're an eight lister you're not really hearing about people as much so it's like even though i know people would be like oh well it's like you know the real housewives of atlanta aren't really celebrities it's like to some people they are or it's like even like the girls of like love and hip-hop hollywood it's like they're still relevant and they're still trendsetters and tastemakers and they're kind of like pushing the conversation forwards it's like you know if one of them puts a lime green wig on it's like someone is going to copy that so it's nice to be able to kind of give them a platform, give them the spotlight, and even talk to the, I really love talking to the artist or the team behind it, because I think it makes it a little bit more interesting to kind of be like, well, what was the process? Or even seeing, um, recently we did a story about like Nicki Minaj, she did like a video with like the Migos and Cardi B, and she has these like super long pink braids, and it took them 36 hours to do those. No. Yes. So it's a wig. A wig. So they, they, weren't, they didn't have her in a chair. They didn't have right? her in a chair. But just the fact that, like, you see this iconic image and it's like, right. that's going to be, like, a really memorable look. But it took 36 hours to do. And apparently, like, seven braiders. Oh, my God. It sounds like, you know, sewing sequins on couture. Yeah. Right? Yes. But it's just interesting to know that because people just like, you know, again, like you just scroll and you go, this is a hot look. But it's like you don't realize the work that it takes to produce some of these things.
0: I like what you're talking about because it's actually slowing down the consumption a little bit. It's Mm -hmm. not just me looking at the photo being like, oh, that's crazy or that's cool or that's amazing or whatever. I'm feeling about it you're telling me a backstory which slows me down yeah. right and you're making me think about it's not just that she threw a wig on and went out you know for her, her, her appearance like there is a process mm-hmm. and thinking and strategy right like everything that we do yeah. in branding um, and and I think it I think it will slow down people to the point where they're starting to appreciate the content in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, do you are you able to do
1: that for most stories like be able to go a little deeper? I try to when it makes sense. So I mean for someone who's a dramatic transformation, I think definitely. It's mm-hmm. like what? Like why did they do this? What did they do? I think for something that's a little bit more run of the mill or something that they do frequently, maybe not. But I always like to link back. So I love searching our website to be like, when else have we talked about something similar? Or when else can you learn more about this Mm -hmm. person? So kind of like dropping either, whether it's like from a different website sometimes, it's like maybe they had a really good quote about like, I remember, like Kim Kardashian claimed that she'd never dye her hair blonde in like a 2011 like InStyle article, and I was like, "But now you're like so blonde." <laughs> but that's kind of interesting to be like, you know, you have the so it's like maybe our headlines like you have the right to change your mind. Like Kim Kardashian goes blonde again after right. saying she'd never do it. Um, but just kind of reading to see like what other than just like reporting like here's what they did, here's what it looks like. What do you think? Kind of pulling in a little bit more information because right. again, it does slow people down because it's like. I'm gonna give you like a huge paragraph before you can scroll down to the next photo. So is it Celebrity Still Rules? Is this the name of the game? I think Celebrity Still Rules. I think Influencer Still Rules, mm-hmm. but people are getting, they're catching on a little bit. So I like the, the, the marketing behind it? I think it's almost like traditional advertising. So mm-hmm. one of my favorite shows is Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Loved that show. I thought it was amazing, well done. Very relevant. Just seeing like how they treated women, just like how they kind of spun different things. And I think now maybe we're jaded because we live in New York. But if I saw a Coca Cola ad, I'm not like, oh, I must buy Coca Cola. You know, I'm like, it's an advertisement. They want me to buy it. Right. I think with influencers, people are starting to be like, oh, she wants me to buy this. I think for some reason, like people have, they're almost okay with a celebrity promoting something. They're like, I know that she's like getting paid to do this it's part of her job it's a little bit more Mm -hmm. transparent with some people it's like I'm like do they like this dress or it's like do they want me to buy this dress I'm like are they getting paid how much are they getting paid you start to ask yourself like more questions or at least for me versus a celebrity it's so overt it's like I know that they're paying you millions of dollars to tell me about this I think about this topic a lot obviously since we're in the business
0: of marketing um and I really wonder when we when we leave LA and we leave New York and we start thinking about when we leave Chicago let's put, like let's 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 leave these you know metropolitan areas where a lot of people are in our industry right um, and think about the end user the person who's actually going to spend money to buy that lipstick right or spend money to buy those shoes and not get them for free or not get them from a friend mm-hmm. at a discount because she works in the showroom right yeah. like really leave our industry um,
1: what is she truly absorbing I'm fascinated and dying to know. I should ask my... I'm from Minnesota. I should, like, ask my friends and be like, what do you guys think? Or, like, just give them, like, example A, example B. Like, what do you think? Because I have no idea. But it, ha- it has to work because it's, like, they're still around and people are still shopping. It's, like, even when you look at a brand like Fashion Nova. Fashion Nova is, like, this really fast fashion company. Um, and they have so many celebrity endorsements. So, it's, like, they get girls who, it's like, maybe they have, like, at least 100,000 Instagram followers. Don't quote me on that. But they're the top ghouled fashion brand of 2017. Like, above Gucci, above Chanel, because people are just like, what is this? Like, why can I get a dress for my next party for $25? But it's like, something like that, it's like, obviously it works. Like, obviously these girls are moving inventory and selling things, and people are so into it. So, me being like, ugh, oh, of course she's getting paid to do this. Someone else is like, oh my gosh, I found my New Year's dress on, like, fashionnova.com. Right. I I don't have data to support this, because we haven't done any
0: research and maybe this is a good time for us to start it Um, but when I talk to my friends I live in New Jersey in suburban New Jersey and um, I have many friends who are not in advertising not in marketing not in media Uh, maybe they're doctors psychologists whatever teachers whatever um And these messages that we are inundated by every single day, they don't reach them. Like these are working moms who like, you know, get the kids off to school, they go to their job, they do their job, they come home, maybe they watch a little TV, maybe a little bit of Facebook or Instagram, Mm -hmm. but um, they don't know any of the brands that I'm talking about. The ones that were, I'm like, you totally know, you know, this mm-hmm. brand, this is a huge brand. They don't know it. You know what they know? They know Beauty Counter and they know Rodan Fields because their friends sell it, mm-hmm. right? The social selling. And that's how messages reach them. They penetrate through all the other clutter of their day because it's friend to friend. These This other stuff. It's, it's they never see it. Really? They don't internalize it, even if they're seeing it. It's, like, foreign to them. So I think that as jaded as we are about the process and, like, the the cycle and the constant pushing forward and more and more and new and new, uh, I think the regular customer really just doesn't see it or feel it the way that we do. Yeah, But I, that's anecdotal. I don't have real data, <laughs> um, but I was very surprised the other day at dinner um, that, you know, these women that, you know, they read a lot of the same things I read, but they don't see it the same way, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it also makes me think, like, there are more opportunities for social selling to be done really well, because yeah. it really works, right? Front-to-front, peer-to-peer. Um, so let's go back to the the topic that we talked about and when you took the job at BET about seeing yourself represented. Um, do you feel like you've been, through the celebrity focus? Have you been able
1: to do that? I think so. I think it's just getting the content out there and also always putting a positive spin on it. So I think women have the right to change their bodies, their looks, their faces, their hair, whatnot, and kind of supporting that. So I think we always come from a place of like, this happened, who else has done it? But like, here's how you can do it, or it's okay to do it. So I never really want to put someone down for trying something, um, unless it's dangerous. Like there are certain things that are dangerous, but also kind of presenting like both sides. So we did a story about I can't remember her name right now but it was an african actress i want to say who was slammed for skin bleaching mm. and they had before and after pictures and it was very apparent that like something was going on so it's like i don't know the details about like what she was using or how often she was using it and she gave an interview that she's like you know this is who i am and this is who i want to be So I supported that, but it's, like, I also need to talk to a doctor to figure out, like, how dangerous is this or, like, can you do it under supervision? But I always want to leave the reader with, like, a choice and two different opinions. So even with our writers, I'm, like, if you're interviewing someone, unless it's a feature, like, you need to get a mix of reviews or, like, you need to get a mix of opinions. So you can never talk to, like, one doctor. It's, like, you should talk to two or five because— They might have conflicting info, and we need to present all of that so then you as the reader can take something away, like, okay, well, I believe this, or, you know, now that I know this perspective, I'm not so sure, versus us giving, like, a one-sided thing. So is it, um, like, is
0: is it a judgment-free zone, or is it, um,
1: do do you pick a side, like, you know, or does it not even matter? I don't even know if it matters. I mean, we try to be, like, she looks great, or, like, you know, new look, like, for the new year. um, I don't know. Like, I try not to inject, like, my personal viewpoints Mm -hmm. unless it's something that gets us, like, really fired up. Like, if a brand does something that's, like, a little bit out of line. But then I always try to put in the perspective of, like, you know, maybe it wasn't, like, a diverse um, crowd of people who are sourcing this. Or, like, maybe there's no one in the room to speak up. However, it's, like, that's why it's important to have, like, a diverse staff, like, situation so people can give perspective or whatnot. But we try not to go too hard because it's like you never really know what's happening. Right. We um as a creative agency,
0: we have the ears of clients and um when we talk about casting, we've t- been talking about this for years, like you can't show one person. The yeah. days of hiring one model, they're over and they've been over for us for a really long time. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they've been over in the minds of the client or their budget. But it makes no sense because it really feels, like, dismissive.
1: Yeah, it's really isolating. And I think also, but then on the flip side, sometimes I, you get it, it can be very uh, inauthentic when people are like, okay, let's hire one Asian model, one black model, one ma- white model, one Latina. It's like, I know what you're doing here, too. Like, I know that you're trying to showcase, like, we're for everyone. Um, so it's a balance. It's just kind of figuring out, like, who represents the brand well, um, what are we speaking to? So it's like certain things. It's like, I don't know. I'm never really concerned about like what's something that's so universal, like body care. Right. So it's like soap or I don't know, like loofahs or something like I don't think that's tied to a specific race. But it's like cosmetics. It's like, yes, I do need to see this on like a range of skin tones to make sure that it works for me. Otherwise, I'm just assuming that they don't have my shade and I've dismissed you as a brand.
0: Right. I You know, I don't I don't. I don't think I feel as strongly about the like pick kind of representation of everybody who would ever buy my product because I actually do feel like as a customer and I'm always trying to like be the customer. I'm only seeing what I want to see in that moment. Mm -hmm. So I want to see me. And, you know, I I feel for women's, like, kind of plight through, like, marketing and advertising because, like, I haven't seen me very often. Like, when I was a kid, um, I was, like, I don't know, athletic, curvy, whatever I am. And, like, all the girls in the advertising for, like, I don't even know what it would have been. Like, you know, the circulars and the newspapers back then, um, they were all, like, stick skinny. And I didn't look like that. And I'd look around myself at school and all the girls around me, I felt like they were stick skinny and um, I mean I'm 42 years old and I still think about this stuff Mm -hmm. you know like it really like goes very deep so I want to show that girl Mm -hmm. or that woman herself or a version of like the self that she dreams to be or you know imagines herself or whatever um, because she's not going to see the other ones she's going to focus on the one that like feels like her and especially if it's like cosmetic or hair right like is this going to work for me Mm -hmm. um you know is this going to perform can I see myself in it um will I get the results I'm looking for um I think it's true of skincare I think it's true of everything I think it's true of soup you know quite <laughs> frankly like if you're gonna have a table and there's many people at the lunch table and you know in elementary school eating soup like you everybody. better show everybody yeah because number one that's like this is our world mm-hmm. and I want that kid to see herself or him to see himself at that lunch table yeah. I think it's really important um the power of advertising is very rich that's why why it works and that's why we keep doing it um, but I don't think that we um, should and I don't I don't want our clients to miss an opportunity to really make a deep connection because yeah. that's what this is, this is a connection with, with a customer um, so I feel very strongly about it but that means that the client needs to Spend more money on casting, Mm -hmm. right? Have more talent. Um, Be prepared to not say, okay, we're just going to pick one person. And it
1: will just be a Caucasian person because that's just not good enough. It really isn't. Not anymore. Yep. And I mean, now with social media, people will call you out very quickly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean,
0: even if you have a diverse cast, which we've done in a lot of campaigns. um, Like, I had a client who's like, there's people writing all these nasty things saying that the campaign's not diverse. I'm like... It is like there's like so there's age, there's body shape, there's skin tone, there's like everything you could imagine was in this campaign. It's just people want to jump, you know, and like I think you just need to stay on stay on your track, like mm-hmm. stay on the road. Commit to it. Yes, um, there's always going to be somebody who wants to jump, no matter what side of the fence that they're on. They're gonna they're gonna jump. But um, this has been so enlightening, and I really yeah. appreciate you sharing all your wisdom with us. I know um, a lot of people who are listening who want to know what happens behind the scenes in a job like yours, or You know, number one, thinking about you probably at 7.30 in the morning when you're, like, (laughs) doing your work, Um, but knowing that you can also wrap it up by 6 and move on to the next day. Well,
1: yes and no, because then I think it's the danger of, like, there's always something happening. Like, someone is always doing something, so you also have to make the personal choice, like, step away. Mm -hmm. So... Sometimes I practice, like, dark hours. I'm like, okay, from, like, 9 until, like, 7, like, I'm not going to look at anything. Because you can get wrapped up and worked up and be like, oh, is this a story? Is this an angle? Is this a trend? Because, again, it's, like, the consumption of feeling like you have to, like, feed this monster that's, like, insatiable. Like, there's the weird thing about the internet. Like, there's no such thing as too much content. Right which is scary like there's no like no one's ever going like, oh, there's too many stories so we're not going to run out of film uh-huh. yeah like and I think that's the difference between a book it's like you only have so much space yeah like a magazine it's like you only have 15 beauty well pages and that's it versus like the internet I can write one story I can write 20 stories like there's nothing stopping me other than like physically myself not being able to produce that yeah so when you do this dark hour are you able to stick to it Yes and no. Like, I'll have to, like, put my phone... Like, I am, like, a psychopath again. I'll have to, like, put my phone in another room and, like, turn it on airplane mode and just, like zero in on like what I'm doing. So like movies are really good for me because it's like I have to focus on something. Mm-hmm. Workout classes are good for me because it's like obviously you can't like have a phone while you're doing Pilates. It's like you have
0: to like, Well I'm sure you've seen people in yes. the class with it.
1: <laughs> but you have to focus. I'm like I'm not trying to like kill myself on this reformer. Right. So you're just like I have to focus in on that dinner with friends. Like catching up with people and just like really putting your phone. So it has to be really we're in a very cell phone culture. It's like even on the train. Not that I want people to like talk to me but it's like sometimes you look around and you're like no one's even paying attention to me anyone right I
0: mean I love that you actually do this and you commit to it um I think that we all need to do it I mean it's probably something that needs to be like prescribed by doctors mm-hmm. like you know after whatever hour pick the hour 7 30 whatever it is for you um it goes away yeah um because it's um I think it's a burden I really do I think that our hearts need to slow down our minds need to slow down our fingers need to slow down um, we can read books, we can watch movies, we can see friends, what we can amazing. do nothing. Yeah, yeah, just like do a little bit of nothing. Um, or for me, I watch The Real Housewives and you know, <laughs> anything on Bravo, but that to me is like such a joy. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing that wisdom. It was so awesome. Thank you. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Janelle. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, please follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Mm.